Welcome and thank you for tuning in to Self-Care with Boosie. Now, if immigrating to Canada has been something that you've thought you want to do, today is all about me sharing the process that me and my family went through to get to a point where we could immigrate to Canada. My family and I immigrated to Canada from South Africa at the beginning of 2019. We're a family of four and two kids, and my husband and I went through the express entry process to get to a point where we can immigrate to Canada. Now, when you are going through the express entry process, that is an option for skilled workers. There are a number of different jobs and skills that the country looks for that can get you to a point where you are immigrating as a skilled worker. And that is the option that we chose and we moved as. And that's what I'm going to be talking about. Now, there are other programs and processes that are available for people to immigrate to Canada. And you can get all of that information on the Canadian immigration website, which I will link to the description. That website is your one-stop shop for everything. All the information that you need to know about the process, you will find it there as well as the express entry process that we followed. Now, when we finally decided that Canada is the country that we want to immigrate to, we looked for an agency and we worked with an agency to help us with our immigration. I do not think that you need to work with an agency just based on the experience that we had a lot of the things and the process is things that you can do by yourself. And when you read through the Canadian government's website, they actually do state that your case or your application is not pushed to the top of the list or there's nothing considered special about it just because you're coming with an agency. So it's something to consider, you know, agency fees are quite high and you can literally read through the website do your research and follow the process yourself to submit all the documents that are needed for you to get to a point where you can immigrate now one of the things that we had to do was write an english test canada uses english as one of the main languages they also use french if you would be thinking about moving to a place like quebec it would be beneficial for you to know French. And I think it would also help you in terms of looking for work because that's one of the things that I've noticed with jobs that are based in Quebec. They normally look for people who are fluent in both English and French. I'm based in Ontario and English is the main language that people communicate with here. As I've said before, your one-stop shop in terms of every single thing that you will need to do is the Canadian government's website. I am pretty sure they update their requirements probably every year. So the things that I and my family might have had to do, they might be different to this day. Some things might be the same. So the best place where you can find the most recent information is the Canadian government's website. So we had to go through an English test where we had four different types of tests that we did. There was a listening test, There was a reading test, there was a speaking test, and there was a writing test. Now the tests are not, they're not super complex to a point where you would need to be studying for, I don't know how long. 
and me and my husband we found videos on youtube we went to youtube and we basically googled something along the lines of or we searched for something along the lines of studying for ielts test right and we found a lot of people who made videos just to explain the process and what you should expect when you're going through one of the tests so for example with the speaking test you actually will be speaking to somebody who will be testing you and it's a conversation it's a general conversation and what they are trying to see from that is that you can have a fluent conversation where you understand what the other person is saying to you you're responding and you can explain things and speak and i think one of the things that i would say or one of the tips that i'd give is if you do go for your speaking test and you are asked a question just try not to give one word answers don't just answer if you can like if the question is a what is your name i mean your name is your name you can't add five sentences to that but if for example you're asked something along the lines of what is your most favorite thing to do on the weekend right you can maybe say i like netflix and chilling and that's it <laughs> You know, it's if that's something that you like, you can say that, but giving very short answers, it doesn't really help the person get to hear that you can actually speak. So you can make that answer a bit longer. If you do like Netflix and chill, just elaborate on that. I like watching Netflix and just spending time with whoever it is that you might live with. If you live by yourself, I like watching Netflix. It helps me relax. And my favorite shows on there are, and you start listing, maybe I watch Dynasty, I watch Queen Sono, and I enjoy watching movies, whatever it is, but just get yourself speaking for longer. Get yourself to a point where you are just, you're speaking a bit longer and you're elaborating on answers and they don't have to pull things from you or ask you too many things just to get you to a point where you're having a conversation that flows with the listening test so you're literally in a center and they're playing a clip for you that you're listening to and you will have a questionnaire in front of you and you have to fill in things and write things in based on whatever it is that you're hearing my tip on that one would be if you do miss things don't dwell on it so much that you end up missing everything else that comes after that. Because if you've missed something, they're not going to go back and replay the clip that just played or the audio that just played. They're not going to go back and replay the audio. So try and keep up as best as you can. And if you do realize that, oh snap, I, I missed hearing something because I was busy trying to write something else, don't dwell on that too much. The audio keeps playing. They don't pause for you. There's a whole bunch of you in the same room trying to write the same exam. So move along pretty quickly. Don't stay on one question too long, especially with the listening test, because if you miss the rest of the stuff, then, you know, you're not going to get them. And it's better to just miss one question here and there or two questions here and there than just mess up your whole exam because now you're stressing about questions that you haven't answered. And it's not going to change anything, you know, it's not going to rewind the tape and you get to go back and listen to what the person was saying. So move with the flow, just move with that audio. If you do miss a few things here and there where you're like, oh, I heard they just said whatever is related to this, but I didn't quite get what would go in here. Move, just forget about it. Just move on to the next question and you should be fine. 
The same applies to the reading and the writing test. I would say do not stay for too long on one question. As much as I can remember, you literally can look at the questions to decide how long on average you're going to spend on a particular question. So read through a question and bear in mind the amount of time that you have in total for the test. You won't have any watches or anything on you, but there will be a clock in the room to remind you of what the time is. And if I remember correctly, they do call out the time at certain intervals and they'll tell you that they will call out the time at specific um, intervals. So maybe before the at 30 minute at the 30 minute point, they'll say you have 30 minutes left, you have 15 minutes left. But just plan out how much time you spend on a question. And if you've spent that much time on the question, move, move to the next one or else you're not going to finish the whole exam. And Again, it's better to get some marks on one portion than full marks on one portion. And that's the only thing that you manage to do in the entire, you know, setting of the exam. So I would suggest that you look for videos on YouTube. There are a lot of people who've put up tutorials to help people prepare for the exams. Those were really helpful. Now, the other things that we had to do is not necessarily going to write an exam. So if you have your university degree, you have to work with an, an organization that will certify that you actually do have a degree from an accredited university. So they'll give you the process that this is the organization they would like you to work with. We worked with an organization called WES and you basically go back to the institution that you studied at. So you request that they give you your academic record and they can give it to you. It will be in a sealed envelope that has the stamp of the university where you can't tamper with the document. If you try and tamper with it, it will show that you've tried to open this and change things in it. So they can either give it to you or you can have them mail it directly to the institution that is going to check all of your things and report back to the Canadian government that they've checked all of your degrees and this is what your qualification is equivalent to. So I studied at the University of Pretoria, was staying in Johannesburg, and I went to the University of Pretoria. I just collected the document myself and I mailed it myself so I can track everything and make sure that it actually gets to where it's supposed to be going. My husband, he studied his undergrad at the University of Cape Town, and he got them to send one document to him and he got them to send the other directly to the institution so the reason why he did that was if anything does happen during that sending to the WES organization or the institution that is checking your qualifications if anything happens maybe they say they didn't get the documents then he would already have a copy and not need to request a new copy from his university so that's what he did with the University of Cape Town because it's quite far if you're in Johannesburg to say you go directly there yourself. And that was, it was, it worked like the Whatever process the University of Cape Town uses, it's on the university's website. Same as University of Pretoria, it was on their website. You can check the website and they tell you what you need to do. Now, one of the other documents that we had to submit were police clearance records. 
for each country that you've stayed in for a year or longer. So for me, it was South Africa and it was also the Netherlands. Now what ended up happening with me and the Netherlands was they sent the document. I got email confirmation that they've sent it, but they weren't offering an option to track what they sent to you. So it just came via normal mail. And I remember at the time our post office in South Africa, there were strikes that were happening and we'd see in the news, there were letters that would just, they'd be on the street because the people who work at the post office, they were striking and things would happen. And documents around those times were just, if you were looking or waiting for something in the post, chances were very high that you might not get it and that ended up happening with me and that police clearance so if you have stayed in another country for a year or longer just find out what their process is to you getting that police clearance like same as south africa you find out from the police department what is the process that they're using right now for people to get a police clearance for whatever reason you might need it for one of the last things that we had to do was a medical exam full medical exam and the whole family has to do it so there will be a list of doctors in johannesburg in pretoria depending on where you're based that you can go to to get those medical exams completed and they can send they don't give those results to you but they just send it directly to the canadian government's immigration offices they send it directly there and one of the last things that I want to mention, which is one of the most important things that you should think about before you even start the whole process, is the proof of funds portion. So me and my husband, neither of us had jobs before we moved. Now, some people do get jobs before they move. But when you are going through the application process, you generally will still not have a job at that point, And you need to submit proof of certain funds now the amount of funds it will differ for an individual person a family of three a family of five and so on and so forth and you need to check that amount on the canadian government's website because it does change and you need to get the latest information so you know that you have all your ducks in a row so by the time you have to submit the proof of funds you already have it available now they don't take things such as your pension fund because i've heard of people who think oh maybe i can just use my pension fund and say if i do resign from my work i have this amount that's going to be available to me that i can then use towards my move they want to see liquid cash like cash that you have available to use today not something that you still if, for example, you have a house or houses that you can sell and you say, I have this house, I can sell it and that's where I'm going to get my money. Or I have this pension fund that I, I will get when I resign. They don't take those amounts into consideration. So that's one of the things that is very important to think about very early in your process and make sure that you're looking at those numbers and you are okay with whatever funds or you have a plan. Of however you're gonna get yourself to a point where you have those funds in your account and ready to submit when you have to now I will say that for us the process the whole process from when we started our submissions took around 16 or 18 months somewhere around there from when we started the process to say okay 
you know we are initiating this and this is what we want to do now what did happen that we were not expecting we thought that when we submitted our application for permanent residence that that would take around a year before we got it and it was much sooner than that do reach out if you have any questions when you do read the website that i'm going to link on the description and that is it Thank you for listening and do connect with me because I wanna get to know you better. I really do. My handle on all social media platforms is Busi underscore global. That's B-U-S-I underscore G-L-O-B-A-L.